welcome to the Jig is Up. My name is Darcy, and unfortunately, due to some technical issues that we started experiencing last week, uh, we're not able to have Jason on the uh, podcast with us tonight. So until I get those sorted out, it might be a solo podcast for a while. Um, hopefully next week we'll have him back, but we shall see what the uh, what the week here this next week brings. I wanted to start the show talking about uh, kind of a big deal on the East Coast. There was four Métis organizations that have come together and signed a friendship treaty um, this month. And they identified issues that they want to work on collectively as a group. Uh, things like historical and genealogical research, uh, cultural awareness, education, preservation, uh, standard of integrity and registry, improved relationships between the Mi'kmaq and the Métis of Nova Scotia. Education bursaries and scholarships, health and elderly care, and then also healthy youth programs. So those uh, wonderful things, absolutely amazing. Um, I definitely think this is a major improvement um, for people Métis from the East and, and living in the East. Because um, it's very clearly, I mean, it, it strengthens their whole position when they come together like that. I mean, anytime you can come together and form a, a much bigger um, entity... I think when you're looking at dealing with government, even on a local level, it has much more of an impact. It has much more, people tend to pay attention a lot more. So I think it's definitely a good thing. Um, you know, I, I think it shows, you know, for all those groups that they are willing to work together collectively. And that, uh, so I think that says a lot about their willingness to work even with other groups, if they're willing to come together like this. Um, the one thing that struck me, though, was the improved relationship between the Mi'kmaq uh, and the Métis of Nova Scotia specifically. And I hope, um, maybe I'm just reading that wrong, but I really truly hope that that's, um, their intent is to improve relationships with all First Nations in the, you know, in their respective areas that these um, organizations are in and where they draw their members membership from. Because I, I think that's something that we, we desperately lack in today's um, Métis world. I mean, you look at the Métis National Council and its uh, affiliates, what we affectionately call the cartel here on the podcast, and it's so very clear that they have absolutely no interest in dealing with or or working with uh, any First Nations. Uh when they're negotiating anything, it's them and the government, and they have absolutely no interest in being part of uh, most almost anything with First Nation. They are very quick to sign, um, you know, energy agreements and do things like that. Who cares what the First Nations want? Um, I mean, and we've seen that uh, there was, um, you know, we'll uh, I'm going to talk about this a little later, but I think it ties in nicely when you're talking about this. Is there's the eviction? and the removal and arrest, uh, forced removal, of the Tiny Home Warriors uh, be based on an eviction notice from BC Parks, even though I believe it's unceded land. So I don't know how you evict people from their own territory, but I guess that's the way the government of Canada likes to work. Um, and so, you know, somebody had pointed out that if, if the Métis National Council and the Métis Nation of BC supports these pipelines going through, then they're actively supporting the removal and the arrest and the forceful arrest of First Nations who are trying to take a stand on their own territory. And I think that's a very clear sign of, of Métis organizations that don't work with First Nations, that don't work with other Indigenous groups, that are simply there for their own greedy and, and their own political 
uh, reasons, and they don't care about anything else. It's it's about them and what they can get. And, you know, it goes back to what Jason says a lot on this podcast where they, they look at it like uh, the government of Canada is, is uh, you know, a piece of pie, and they want the biggest slice, but they don't realize that it's 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 not a piece of pie. There is room for everyone at the table. Um, and that's just simply lacking in, in these Métis organizations is the even the, uh, the intent to work with First Nations and improve relationships, which is interesting considering the cartel is the first one to jump on the bandwagon and the really hardcore kind of extreme river nationalists are so quick to jump on the bandwagon of of um, climbing all over Eastern Métis because, you know, they're trying to usurp First Nation rights and stuff like that. That's exactly what you guys, what the cartel does every single day with all of their actions. Uh, they don't negotiate hunting rights in conjunction with First Nations. They don't negotiate uh, energy deals or land deals or any deals with First Nations or, you know, any other Indigenous group at the table. They specifically will not sit at the table with any other Métis organizations. Um, and so they're, you know, but they're the first ones to point that out with other groups. So I think this is a great thing for Eastern Métis to have this, um, this unity amongst them. Uh, I know that uh, the government of Canada sent some people out to, to have a conversation with, I, I think at least some of the members of this new um, alliance. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I think that's a that's that's the first kind of the first steps in this process. And I think I I hope it bodes well. I hope that they're able to make the changes and show people that you know it's not just about uh, you know yes there are a few people that are going to try to game the system, but that's not what it's about for East, all Eastern Métis. Unlike what some you know um, uh, scholars and you know, authors of books uh, try to tell you. Uh, it is actually about, you know, our culture, our history, and our people, and our ancestors. And so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what this uh, new alliance brings to the table or what they what comes of it. Um, and so to everybody involved, I want to say, hey, congratulations. It was a good move. And I really, truly hope that you guys can build some programs and build some, some unity and... Uh, and, you know, really drive towards the same goal rather than we're all going to the same goal, but we're all trying to get there a different way. So I hope I hope this is a, a good sign of things to come. So good job for everybody out there. I think it's it's absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I, I think it's going to really bode well when it comes to doing things like um, putting together funding for landmarks or for, uh, you know, historical research or reconnecting with our culture. And to be honest with you, even legal battles. I mean, the you know, government of Canada is very open that hey, if you don't like it, sue us. And so that's unfortunately where things do end up is in the court system. And I think you have a much stronger case if you have you know a, a, a bigger alliance coming together to to fight these battles. It makes it a little bit easier to fight them. So I think it's a it's a wonderful thing. And and like I said, I'm really excited to see what happens from here. Um. Moving a little closer to my hometown here in Alberta, of course we got the Métis Nation of Alberta Association elections coming up in September, uh, and so they and they also have their 90th annual general meeting coming up in August. Uh, there's uh, the annual general meeting is where um, 
they people can um, suggest changes to the bylaws, special resolutions. So, of course, they follow the Roberts rules. Somebody has to motion for a special resolution, and then somebody has to second it, which is utterly ridiculous. But anyway, I digress. Uh, you can find all of their resolutions on the Métis Nation of Alberta Association's website and in, I think, their news section or something. So they publish them all ahead of time, so theoretically, so people can read them, and then when they get to the annual meeting, they can vote on them, but we all know that less than 1% of the people actually get to the annual meeting to vote. So it's a very slim portion of people that's going to get there to vote. Um, some of the changes to the bylaws, I mean, they're not really glamorous. They're, you know, changes, slight changes here and there. Uh, some of the bigger ones, though, I thought, uh, we, we have a real problem here where... Um, a few years ago, um, the vice president who was elected actually resigned for personal reasons. And uh, he, that actually you can check out on one of our previous podcasts where Joe Pimlot dis- uh, explains, you know, w- what it was like to get elected, but also why he he decided to resign in the end. Uh, and it was for very, very personal reasons. So I, I'm, you know, I was happy for, to have him share that. So if you're curious about that, go check out our previous episode entitled Joe Pimlot. Um, but what you'll find is so when he resigned, they have bylaws in place to replace him. They're kind of crazy bylaws, um, where they replace him with the provincial council members decide who to replace him that per that position with amongst the provincial council members, which seems entirely crazy to me. Um, and they do it all, you know, via secret ballot and nobody knows who voted for him. So... The general membership never gets to really know that. Um, so what's been asked is that they replace that bylaw with a bylaw that requires the Métis Nation Association or Métis Nation of Alberta Association to have a by-election within 21... or call a by-election within 21 days of that position becoming open or vacant. Uh, so I think it's... I mean, that's a great thing in theory. I mean, that makes sense. I mean, realistically, if you're going to claim that you're democratically elected people in a democracy, then you really need to have by-elections to replace elected positions. You can't just pick and choose people after the position is vacated. So, kind of ridiculous that it's 90 years later and they're just getting around to the most tiniest fractional uh, sliver of democracy, but... I digress again. Uh, we have covered that extensively in previous episodes, including the last episodes, how, you know, these organizations just simply aren't democracies, but um, they are, in fact, corporations. And so, uh, you know, I think it's a good bylaw change, and I'm shocked that it's taken this long, but I think it's uh, definitely a good one. Uh, one of the other motions that I thought was interesting, too, was uh, one of the candidates for president of the uh, the provincial president... Uh, wants to remove um, an, part of the Oath of Allegiance. Now, if you don't know what that is, again, I hearken back to previous episodes, going back to early 2017, mid-2017. Uh, on the show, we talked about several times about this Oath of Allegiance that the Métis Nation of Alberta Association brought into, into being, where you essentially gave up your right to negotiate or um, anything for either yourself or your community. And if you did not agree with that, you simply were res- 
re, uh, removed from membership of the Métis Nation of Alberta Association. So again, before I continue with that point, let's look at how a democracy would handle a dissenting voice. So you're asking people to give up all of their rights to the provincial Métis organization. So they have no rights to negotiate or work towards a collective anything on behalf of their community or themselves. They have to turn to the Métis Nation of Alberta Association. That does not seem democratic to me. In fact, mm, that seems eh, oddly fascist. But um, it, it just... That seems like an odd amount of power to place in a provincial organization, but nonetheless. And then they just kick people out simply because they don't want to sign this oath? Eh, come on. that No. That's, that's not how citizenship works. I'm sorry, guys, but it just isn't. Uh, so you have these things, um, and then going back to the oath, so the, the, the one candidate other than the incumbent, Madam President Audrey, uh, has brought forward this motion to eliminate a portion of that oath that basically allows where you give up your rights on behalf of yourself and your community to the provincial organization. He wants to take that out so that you don't give up those rights. Um, and uh, also, he's also put in another motion to add a definition of what consultation is and to ensure that the local communities are the sole authority on their communities and they have the right to negotiate for themselves. And where this all stems from, where this all comes from, is uh, here in Alberta, up north uh, in Region 1, you have Fort Mackay and Fort McMurray, who have both purchased their own land for their communities and from the government of Alberta. And uh, essentially, from my understanding, is the Métis Nation of Alberta Association, because of this oath, wanted to now step in and start getting involved in negotiating on behalf of the community of Fort Mackay uh, when it comes to private industry and energy industry and all these things. And the community up there said, well, wait a minute, you weren't around while we were doing all the hard work, and now you want to come in? And so, from what I understand, they actually went to court and got a court injunction against the Métis Nation of Alberta Association to stop them from negotiating on behalf of their community. And I think that was probably a huge motivator in why uh, the president of Fort Mackay is running for provincial president, because I think, I think what he wants to really do is eliminate this overbearing um, oligarchy that is the, the Métis Nation of Alberta Association and put the power and authority back to the local communities to decide what happens in their community. I mean, let's face facts. There's probably most of the Métis Nation Alberta um, office and, and staff and elected officials that, that likely have never stepped foot in Fort Mackay. So why, why would they be able to, to negotiate on behalf of a community they've never even been to? And, you know, we talked about this many times on the podcast, and I think this... This all comes down to, you know, this, this um, glorified sense of, or this indulgent sell, sense of, of what a democracy is, of how benevolent their organization is, and how, um, how la the lack of transparency in this organization. And, and this is what all these things speak to. And I mean, I, I truly hope when, you know, when I look at this new uh, alliance out east, 
I, I can't help but think, I, I really hope that they don't do what the, the cartel has done. And I, I hope that in, you know, 30 years, they're not sitting where the cartel is with this greed and corruption and who knows what, because you don't even know what's going on because there's no transparency. Um, that's one thing I would really like to hope would come out of this new organi- new alliance out east is that there is a complete sense of tra- transparency, that there is openness and that there's communication and that the local communities feel empowered to be, you know, to work on their own behalf and for their betterment. And, uh, you know, I, I truly hope that's what happens because I really don't want to see them in the same position as as what I see here in Alberta. It's it's terrible. And really, the only people that pay this are the members, are the people who are fighting tooth and nail to get every little scrap of of a program or a service out of this organization that is supposed to be providing it, but with a complete lack of, of integrity, lack of transparency, a lack of, um, you know, like structure that would would give it the authority to do these things or give it the the desire to do these things. Like what you have now is a corporate structure that feeds the corporation and works on the best interests of the corporation, not the people. Um, so it's it's not much different than every other corporation out there. And in fact, it's it's not different at all. Um, just because you slap the words nonprofit in front of it doesn't necessarily mean it's ethical. So there's that, um, and I kind of talked about the the forced removal of the tiny home warriors. I uh, but I want to go kind of back to that, um, and again, you know, with these organizations like the cartel supporting pipelines and supporting energy deals, and being willing to to give up fifty years of negotiation with uh, you know Manitoba Hydro in exchange for a few million dollars over fifty years. Uh, to give up the future generation's ability to negotiate for themselves like that and tie their hands together, and then to come out and be, you know, to be totally disrespectful to any First Nation uh, that opposes these these pipelines, whether you agree with them or don't, I, that is kind of ir- completely irrelevant to the point. If if a First Nation um, who whose territory this pipeline is crossing says no, in my opinion they should have the right and authority to do that. Uh, that is That should be without question, shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be a, you know, a second thought. If they say no, then no, we're moving it. And if there's another First Nation that says, yes, we want it on our land, then go there. And I don't want to pit First Nations against each other. One is not bad and one is not good. And just like in any Indigenous group, one is not bad, one is not good. But what you have now is you have these Métis organizations pitting themselves against, and, and the First Nations that agree with the pipeline, against the ones who don't. Essentially, I mean, you, you've, we've talked about what uh, David Chartrand said, which is very arrogant, and in, in my view, very disgusting comments about, uh, you know, the First Nations that oppose these, these pipelines. Um, and... You know, for me, this isn't an issue of pipelines. For me, this is an issue of I I have to respect um, my my indigenous family, and if part of that family says no, I respect. I have to respect that. That's their choice. That's their right. That's their territory. And I mean, 
you, you know, somebody else pointed out the fact that you have, um, okay, if you want to go with the, the Métis National Council's definition of Métis, only from Red River, well then, why is the Métis Nation of BC have, why are they signing any agreements for energy in BC? Why are they doing anything like that? Because they should be from Red River. Now, we can get into semantics like that, but at the end of the day, you have an Indigenous organization pitting itself against other Indigenous organizations because they don't, they, they dare to challenge or be opposed to something. And it speaks volumes to how these organizations treat their own members when you look at how do they treat dissenting voices? Not well. They kick them out. They, they disparage them. Um, they ignore them. They, they take, sometimes take legal action. They take whatever step they can to squash any dissenting voice because how dare you speak out against the cartel? Um, and then, so then is it any wonder why when there's dissenting voices about pipelines or the government of Canada that they don't, they're, they're quick to jump on the government side of things and say, hey, well, wait a minute, dissenting voice is bad and evil. Um, and again, this harkens us back to the what is a democracy? Well, it certainly isn't trying to squash all dissenting opinions and voices. Uh, democracy allows for a healthy debate and a healthy discussion of varying viewpoints and ideals. And that just simply is not present in any of these organizations that are part of the Métis National Council. So... Uh, to our Eastern brothers and sisters who just made this uh, this new alliance, I'm, I'm very happy. I'm excited to see what you guys do with this next. Please take notes from the Métis National Council on what not to do and not how not to treat your members. And let's work forward on that principle. Um, but I again, I am very excited to see what you guys do. And for everybody here in Alberta who's looking forward for or looking towards these elections going, I hope there's change. I don't know. Uh, I would say to all you Métis Nation of Alberta Association members, get out and vote. Um, please do. Make a difference. Do something. Like Get engaged. Um, because you're, if you don't go vote, you're just supporting the status quo. And the status quo is not helping anybody. There's people that have been fighting for a decade for programs for services for access to things and they still haven't got it so let's get rid of this old guard and get some new change in there i um in speaking with some of the candidates i'm moderately excited and moderately optimistic that change might happen um however if any of the old guard gets back in specifically um the president of the Métis Nation of Alberta Association gets back in, I have a high suspicion, not a thing will change. And so we need change. This is ridiculous. 20 years of the same leader doing the same things, running the same, in my opinion, scams, and and, and being completely dishonest and unopen and unethical about way, the way they do things, for me is just not, not what we want to look forward to. And, and I, I really, truly hope that the Métis Nation... Uh, gets new leadership, gets new blood, gets new ideas, and really becomes an organization to be proud of. Uh, that's what I'm hoping for. I really, truly am. Uh, I am working towards putting together a uh, candidates forum on August 13th from 6.30 till 8 here in Calgary. You can go to Facebook and check that out. Go to the Jig Is Up uh, Facebook page, check out our events, and it'll be in there. 
And for all you Métis Nation people in Calgary and area, or in going, if you're going to be in Calgary and area, or if you're from out of province and you just want to hear some of these candidates talk, please get there. Uh, I will say this, and I want everybody to know this, because I think it's hilarious. Um, the vice president of Region 3 right now, who is actually running for president, because the current president has is retiring or stepping down, whatever, um, has declined to be part of this. Uh, and when I asked him on the phone if he had if he wanted me to tell people why he's declining, his answer was, nope, not interested. So I think, again, this speaks volumes to what the old guard wants to do with the Métis Nation of Alberta. They want to run things on the status quo. They want to draw a nice wage. And they want to sweep everything under the carpet and just shuffle along. And when you have somebody running for election and they have no desire, nor do they have any uh, respect for people who do want to show up to this event, who do want to ask their candidates questions, I think it speaks volumes. And I truly, truly would encourage everybody who wishes to vote, um, if you can get go and RSVP on the... We're limited on space, but go RSVP on the event um, and let us know you're coming. But if you can't make it or it's maxed out, um, you know, we'll, we will be recording it for the podcast, so you'll be able to listen to it there. And I think it's going to be very interesting because I think we've got a lot of new ideas and a lot of new blood and... Um, I've gotten to know some of the people involved um, a little bit more personally, and I'm very excited to see what happens, at least in Region 3. Uh, so I'm trying to stay a little bit, uh, I have my preference, but I'm trying to stay a little bit, um, you know, in the middle, not picking sides for anything until after the event. Um, so I really hope you guys can come out. So please do. It's going to be very interesting, and like I said, the old guard who actually is employed by the Métis Nation right now doesn't care to answer questions from his own members. No interest whatsoever. So I think that either speaks loudly to his lack of desire or his full-on belief that he will walk through this, cakewalk through this election and win because, you know, he has access to all the membership lists and no one else does right now. So... Who knows what it is, but I know he doesn't care because he said, nope, not interested. So if you can get to the event, please do. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just let you guys know before I, I jet out of here is uh, if you haven't already checked out this online publication who's publishing articles here in Alberta, uh, please do. And even if you're in, from another province, another part of Canada, I think it's very interesting his, the, the way he writes. Uh, the guy does a really great job of trying to be impartial. That's the word I was looking for earlier. Uh, but he does, a re he does a much better job than I do. <laughs> I'm very biased. Uh, I don't know if you guys could tell. But uh, he's, he, he, comes, he does do a very good job of trying to explain the situation and be fair to the Métis Nation and everybody involved. Uh, however, he does run across uh, roadblocks, and he's not shy about letting you know what those are. So please go to the Lee Nouvelle Facebook page. He just published a three-part article on the Métis Nation of Alberta elections and some of the tomfoolery that's going on there, I shall say. Uh, but I don't want to spoil it. No spoiler alerts here. So go check that out. I think it will be eye-opening for anybody who doesn't understand how these cartel um, organizations work. It would be very eye-opening to read his articles and see exactly what 
a you know a member of the Métis Nation of Alberta is saying about the Métis Nation of Alberta. Um, a lot of times, I think you know you could dismiss what I say or what Jason says because we're not members. Oh, maybe we're jealous. We're just jaded, and that's fine. Whatever. Um, but this is this is a very unique perspective, and I, I have a lot of respect for the person who publishes it, Graham. Uh, I think he does great work, and I want everybody to go to check out his page. Give it a like so that you can make sure to get all of his articles as he comes out with them. Uh, and we, I am hoping to get him. He's real busy right now because their annual general assembly is like basically in his his community almost. Um, so he's kind of doing hosting duties there a little bit. So I'm hoping after the annual meeting in August, we can get him on the show again, and um, and just talk to him about his his latest article. If you want to find out more about Graham, you can head back in our past a few episodes and look for the episode. Um, and he's we we did an hour long episode where we talked to him about Lee Nouvelle, about him, and about a lot of other things. So it was a great conversation. I loved it. And uh, so check that out for sure in one of the past episodes. Um, and yeah, check out his Lee Nouvelle page on Facebook. <clears throat> and you can read all of his past articles too. Uh, and last but not least, if you did enjoy the show, if you want us to do more stories and get more interviews and get out to more communities, um, head over to our Patreon page. The link will be in the description. And for as little as a dollar a month... Um, you can help support the show, keep it advertisement-free, keep it supported by the Métis community if uh, if you would like it that way. And it helps us to, to bring you better content and bring you better stories from further away. I would like to grow this show beyond Alberta, um, but I can't do that without you guys. So head over to our Patreon page and check that out. And... Um, in other than that, I think that's all I got. And this is where I normally would ask Jason for any final thoughts, but I have no final thoughts. So guys have a great week. Thanks for listening and, uh, get out there and be good ancestors. And until next week, the jig is up. You are the spark that's starting a fire that will spread across this land. I don't be a fire that doesn't burn.